is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and leadership coach. And today I welcome Chris Edmonds to the show. Chris, welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Delighted to connect finally with you live. Yes, Chris, thanks. I've been following you for years and it's such a joy to have you on the show. And you're going to discuss your amazing expertise helping leaders create purposeful, positive, and productive work cultures. So welcome, and let's let's dive right in, Chris. You wrote your iconic book, The Culture Engine, in 2014. So what inspired that book? Well, it's, it's really a, a wonderfully simple inspiration, which is, number one, I had found a niche, right? My, my, my approach, oh, and I'm going to go back quite a ways. I'm going to go back to the 70s uh, to indicate how clearly values and the importance of values in the workplace were made to me back then, nonprofit executive, and and what and and I fell into the values clarification kind of movement back then. Yeah. And and so what what was very interesting is over the past probably twenty five years or so, as I stumbled upon literally and crafted a repeatable phased process to help senior leaders build cultures that they'd be proud to have their own kids work in, right, or their neighbors to work in, right, is that I realized that a lot of what I did when I was uh, invited into organizations was educate senior leaders to say, no, 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 you can't delegate this to HR. That's not fair. Um, and and you must be the face of, you must be the champions of your culture. And, and I, I cannot tell you how many times I'd have a leader saying, I've never been asked to do that. Mm. I don't know how to do that. And it's like, okay. So, so what I found was, and I found a, a couple of publishers that were really interested in putting this into the marketplace, which is a proven, repeatable three-step process that helps senior leaders not only understand that their cultures, if they're bent or broken, need changing, but the key lever is how do they actually change it and then how do they maintain it? So that was literally the the wide open door that I had was I knew I had something that worked and I knew that many, many Many organizations needed help with it. And Chris, I've always appreciated that you've been very specific with action steps, right, that are implementable. So I'm grateful for that. And it it makes sense that these have to be repeatable, right? This isn't a one-time fluke in, in a culture shift or tweak or even just exactly. a dusting off. But let's go back because you write about organizational constitution. So tell me, why, why is this important in an organization? You know what what I love about that language and it's obviously very western mm-hmm. but but the idea of crafting rules that would help people behave better that would that would enable people to understand what a good citizen smells like around here <laughs> needs to be formalized and and that was an interesting evolution for me because I thought everybody knew this right values are important we need to we need to hold people accountable for values and and the reality is it's pretty hard to do and values are a very soft idea right they're not hard and fast like performance targets and results and dashboards with oi you know 25 metrics an hour etc so so the idea of an organizational constitution came from me 
<clears throat> discovering with the help of some some wonderful real live organizational senior leaders that that crafting rules that were as tangible as measurable as observable as performance results was the way to get leaders to be attracted to this right to feel more comfortable with this because in essence what i wanted to do was then let's make values let's get values out of the attitudinal side because that's that's not relevant and it's hard to manage attitude so it's hard to manage our own attitudes right right but the idea of what if we quantify exactly what a good citizen is supposed to do in day-to-day interactions, and let's put it in an organizational constitution. Let's make the constitution a mix of four things, and those are a purpose statement, specifically a servant purpose, and I want to speak to that here in a moment, values and observable, tangible, measurable behaviors, which I'll also speak to in another moment or two, and then the performance side, the results side. So let's ensure strategies and goals get included in that formal agreement, that document as well. So it's servant purpose, values, behaviors, strategies, and goals. And what leaders then are able to do is say, aha, I get it. So I tell leaders all the time, if you've been managing results, good for you. That's half your job. Uh-huh. What the organizational constitution enables clarity in is the other half, which is ensuring people treat each other with trust, respect, and dignity in every interaction. Hmm, surprising. So what it does is it crafts clear agreements. And that comes from my coaching background and, and serving as an executive coach for a long time. Clear agreements are the best way to get to Delivered agreements. What a surprise. And so the idea of having leaders be able to, in essence, leverage their existing skill set with setting clear performance standards and and all of, of you listening and Caroline, you and I know that sometimes, you know, best laid plans, we set clear performance targets, but they aren't always delivered upon. So there's an accountability function that's hugely important. Same for the organizational constitution. What the constitution allows is crystal clear understanding of what a good job looks like from a results side, right? Strategies and goals and from a citizenship side. So literally the idea of observable, tangible, measurable behaviors mm-hmm. is it's kind of an interesting idea so I want to I want to speak to per the the idea of of the purpose statement first and then speak to some examples which might help our listeners understand what I mean by observable tangible measurable values so the servant purpose statement is really one that gets us away from we make money mm-hmm. now Making money is a beautiful thing, right? It, it, it can sustain the business. It can allow you to pay employees thousands of dollars, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is making money doesn't necessarily inspire hourly employees, mid-level leaders. Sometimes it doesn't even inspire senior-level leaders. So the idea is, yes, we know you have to make money. Yes, we know you have an operation that, that needs to be financially stable. But how are you changing customer's quality of life. Ooh, that gets interesting. So the idea is 
let's define how what you do, your products and services actually improve quality of life. Could be in community, could be of customers, could be of their consumers, because there's often different right relationships. But to get leaders to start to think about, so why would people come back, right? We do what we do, whatever it is we do. Why would people come back? So just recently, um, probably six months ago, began a, a culture initiative with uh, an electrical contracting firm, small private firm uh, out of central Michigan. And and they, of course, saw, well, we need to, we've got people building multifamily homes. We have custom homes. We have commercial properties. We need to make sure we do that so no one gets zapped when they turn on the lights. Right, switch. right. Okay. Yes. And you need to make money. Yes. But what they settled on was peace of mind. They realized that when they were doing their jobs well and when these union, right, journeymen and foremen and apprentices were doing their jobs in those various job sites well, that the owner of the office building, right? The owner of the multifamily building, the owner of the new home had peace of mind that there was no wiring weirdness, right? That nothing was going to, quote, crack a bulb, right? (laughs) Unless I hit it with a golf club in the living room. That's another story. But it's the idea of what are you bringing to the relationship so that customers feel well cared for. Hmm, interesting. And that their families are well cared for. So so that idea around a meaningful, significant purpose in serving others is vitally, vitally important. That's that first step. The second piece is around the idea of if you have values, are they measurable? And and often they're rather lofty, right? Ideals and, and principles, and they're not tactically observable, tangible, measurable. So what I help leaders get to is, so if you have an integrity value, which is one of the most common desired values that, that organizations I work with state, and I say, so how, how do you know when it's done well? And they go, oh, that's easy, right? She does what she says she will do. She makes promises and she delivers on them. I said, okay, cool. Is that a observable, tangible, measurable behavior? Yeah. Well, why don't we make that the rule for everybody, right? So we shift from everybody knows what integrity is. Everybody knows what respect is. No, they don't. Everyone has a unique, very different viewpoint of what that was in their families and in their neighborhoods, right? And in their neighborhoods today and in their own families today. So let's let's take all of the required translation out of it. So if you want people to pave with integrity, tell them exactly what that means. I do what I say I will do. I keep my promises. If I'm unable to keep my promises, I fully inform every stakeholder about what the issue is, what the plan is, how I'm going to recover from this. And all of a sudden, we get the values so specifically defined that there's literally no translation required, right? There's no interpretation required. And where this gets cool is that just as 
organizations are very disciplined in measuring the degree to which performance results are met on an hourly basis or weekly or quarterly basis, then we have to make values as measurable as those results. So we actually have to craft custom value surveys that are done. In some cases, I've got a, uh, pulse surveys that clients are using, and they're one question a week, mm, right? Love it. And they're three minutes long, but you can do the classic twice a year survey, and, and the first run of the survey is all employees get to rank their bosses on the degree to which those bosses live each of these valued behaviors. Now, the key is don't have 30 valued behaviors. Right. Have, have 10, yeah. right? Have five, really. <laughs> And, and but, but what you can sense is if we're going to call this an organizational constitution, the accountability part of it, the alignment part is, is huge. It's vital. So, Chris, you spoke so eloquently about how you put the responsibility of a healthy work culture and this kind of clarity on the shoulders of senior leaders. So why is that? And in your vast experience, have you seen hurdles with these executives? Boy, exactly. So the 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 key. It's so interesting because when I have people reach out to me, it's very often not senior leaders. I'd say half the time it's not. Half the time it is, which is delightful, because then I can start to educate that yeah. this is this is your job. <laughs> this is you know again managing results. Good for you. Half the job. Hmm, the other half you know, managing a workplace that's sane and not drama ridden, etc. Right. So. When I have HR directors, OD directors, right, call and say, well, we want you to come and do a keynote because that's going to fix our culture. Let's talk <laughs> about that, okay? So, and I, and I appreciate that there's an interest and I appreciate that people want to throw some resources at the problem, but I need to be bold and say, I'm pretty stinking funny. I can entertain you all for an hour, an hour and a half, and I can actually get some good ideas out there. But I don't think that's what you want. I don't think that's what your employees really need. So so the idea is I have to get senior leaders to embrace their primary responsibility to create a purposeful, positive, productive work culture, an environment where people actually in every interaction, treat each other with trust and respect. And they look at me like I'm crazy, right? And again, they go, I've never been asked to do that. I'm not sure I know how to do that. I don't know that I signed up for that, right? And yet I go, tell me about your best bosses. Oh, he, she was brilliant, right? Did she pay attention to culture? Yeah, well, good, congratulations. That's what we're gonna do. And, the idea of helping them through, mm-hmm. educating them, serving as a coach. I mean, yes, I come in and I do a two-day process kickoff. I do discovery interviews in advance, which are very revealing about how the culture actually operates today. But but the reality is that I my job isn't to fix their culture. My job is to help them manage the culture they want, which, and I say, we're going to be hanging out with each other for 18 to 24 months because this is going to take a while and that's okay. You're not going to be fully prepared. And so you've got, you know, a 12 hour contract. You can use those phone calls to, to, to complain slash ask for help, right? Face to face stuff we do. So, so the reality is that I, must make sure that I'm helping those senior leaders learn to do this on their own, 
right? To, to do it without my assistance a year later or 18 months later. And some folks say, well, why, how come it takes so long? Why don't you give me all the secrets at once? Okay. But it's not just the secrets. It's how do you react in the moment when you have humans reacting in interesting ways? And and some humans are going to get it, right? You're going to have some folks in your organization go, Pew, finally, right? Maybe this will make this a little bit more um, fun, right? Uh, a place to work, a more invigorating place to work. And others are like, I, you're not paying me enough to be nice to them. They're morons, right? And they're not they're gonna watch maybe, but they're not gonna really sign up. And so the idea of it's really the coaching, it's modeling, it's praising aligned behavior every stinking day. It's not tolerating bad behavior anymore. Well, but he she is a senior leader and she's always acted like that. Well, it's time to stop. Everybody knows, you know. So it's a as much as senior leaders would love to delegate the human resource question, they can't. They can't. It simply won't work. You know, I so appreciate what you set up there as this gorgeous process of really designing a healthy work culture and creating accountability and buy-in and then over time uh, getting everybody under the tent, right, to yeah. celebrate that healthy work culture. Yep. It's exactly so. And you know what's interesting is that some folks won't won't be able to stay. They yeah. just, they can't. And, you know, God love them. Don't kick them out, you know. Just help them come to that decision. And, and if they go down the street, go to the next county, go to the next state, and are able to find a job where, where they're better citizens, you know, because of all these conversations, well, cool. But... They can't stay here. That, that's what you're creating. You're creating different rules. Chris, you are a prolific content creator. You've got a blog and podcasts and videos, which I so enjoy for those short snippets of, of actionable wisdom. And they're all at driving results through culture. And of course, your amazing book, The Culture Engine, is available widely in retail stores and of course on Amazon. Any any last words that you want to share about culture change? And I realize there's so much involved, but what might be what might be the baby step for someone listening to say, ah, I need this. How do I get started? Great, great question. And and it's very interesting because I had a number of conversations with, with John Wiley and since my publisher, just a great publisher and wonderful experience to have a real hardcover book, right, published uh, by an established publisher. But I said, I want... I want journal pages in here. I want worksheet-like pages in the book because I want a leader of a department somewhere to be able to say, okay, there's something to this culture. Our culture's not working well. People aren't nice to each other. People are not keeping commitments to each other. I, I need to fix this. Whether or not my organization is undergoing, you know, has, has brought Chris in, has brought somebody else in, is undergoing this formal evolution right i can do this in my department and so the reality is the culture engine is written for that person for a formal leader in a small team or a small business to be able to literally go through very very similar steps to what i do you know with with a live senior leadership team of a multinational or a big organization or a small organization and it walks them through creating their organizational constitution for their department and the trick again is not just 
creating the clarity around how we're going to treat each other, but then modeling it and holding people accountable. And and I've had, I can't tell you, I bet you I've had 30 people over the past four years respond saying, I tried this with my team and it works. And thank you. Oh, that's got to be gratifying for you. Chris Edmonds, what a delight to have you on the show. Really grateful for your wisdom and your action steps. And again, I know that you are a prolific content creator, and I hope our listeners take advantage of all of your great information, driving results through culture and your phenomenal book, The Culture Engine. Chris, thank you. Caroline, thank you very much. So appreciated the conversation. Be well. And to all the listeners out there, if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review and let us know what career-themed topics you're interested in, and we'll address them on a future show. You can find me at Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening, and take good care.